much for being here this evening and my name is Debbie Lentumi and I'll be talking about happiness it being more than a feeling so happiness as I found in my life is more than just a feeling it's actually a science a skill and also a secret to a meaningful and long-lasting life What I'd love to share with you this evening is just to introduce you to the science of happiness, positive psychology, and also share with you three happiness skills that can get you started, and also the awesome secret sauce that I've shared in my book, The Happiness Result. But before I go on, I want to ask you about happiness. I know everybody has experienced happiness at some point in their life, and I hope more than we care to remember. So happiness, what, what is happiness? Everybody experience happiness in different ways. Kathy, what's happiness to you? What, what is happiness when you think of happiness? It can be different things at different times. Right. Sometimes it's just enjoying the grandchild, calling and saying, naughty, <laughs> I love it. Sometimes I'll and I've been gardening in the yard to see something beautiful grow. Mm -hmm. um, it's just relaxing in a great book. Right. Many things at different times. Right, exactly. How about you, Dana? What's happening? those same things. Just today, driving around and seeing all the lilac about to open. Yes. It's yeah. such a source of happiness. Yeah. That, for me, ditto, except for the grandparent part. <laughs> but for me, happiness is just anything that can make me smile inside and out. It could be my child texting me back, saying I love you, or getting a surprise bouquet of flowers for my husband, or even getting a news, a cancer news about a parent, saying that the cancer actually is not as bad as we thought. So it could be anything that could be somewhat of a good fortune. According to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, happiness means good fortune or state of well-being and contentment. But again, everybody has their own definition of happiness. Mahatma Gandhi has his own version. And so do the people who study happiness for a living. The researchers, the authors, the professors. And I want to share with you one of them, and it's Martin Seligman, who is considered the father of positive psychology. He was the one who really started putting positive psychology on the map in 1998 when he became the president of the American Psychological Association. He wanted the theme to be positive psychology, happiness. And he did that because he wanted to start balancing out psychology because psychology became more of focusing on what's broken. The mental emotional ailments, the PTSDs, the depression and the anxieties, which is great. And there's so many research on that and now we have great treatment plans for that and great therapists who can take care of those people. But psychology is more than that. It's also looking at what's working well and what's right and what's good. And that's why when Martin Seligman became the president of the American Psychological Association, he said, you know what? Let's start focusing on the good. Not forgetting the bad or what's broken, 
but also using what's good to take care of the whole situation so we could thrive and flourish. And he basically broke down what happiness is and its pleasure and gratification, embodiment of strength and virtues and meaning and purpose. Has he written the book? He's written the book. He's written many books. I think I have his book. One of them is Flourish. Is it the one where he says, that is one of them, yes, yes. He is, and I'll discuss this later on, but there's many different, as we have many different ways to make us happy, there's many different psychologists, researchers out there that really focuses on the different positive emotions that make us happy. He seems to folk, he likes to focus on optimism. And Sonia Lubomirsky, another researcher, author, she focuses on actually the science, the happiness itself. Other people, like Robert Emmons, likes to focus on gratitude. Other people like, like to focus on kindness, forgiveness, courage, everything, all these different emotions that we could experience to help us become better and happier. There's so many different researchers out there now really studying those particular aspects. It's really, really interesting. So Sonia Libermirsky, she says that happiness is the experience of joy, contentment, or positive well-being com combined with a sense that one's life is good, meaningful, and worthwhile. And so now there's so many different positive psychologists out there. So what is positive psychology actually? Well, it's the science of happiness, if you want to just kind of say it nice and quickly. But it's a little bit more than that. It's also the science scientific study of human flourishing and applied approach to optimal functioning. And here's Martin Seligman. Is this the book that you have? No, but I have another one by him. So. Okay, yeah. So he does, he writes about optimism. And so according to Martin Seligman, the aim of positive psychology, once again, is to balance the traditional psychology where they focus on the worst things in life or what's broken or what's wrong and focusing now on the what's good and building up on the best qualities from that. And this is his acronym that he shared in his book, Flourish. PERMA, which stands for positive emotion, engagement, relationship, meaning, and accomplishments. So those are what he says can make us happy. And they pretty much go in progressions as well. So now that we know that the happiness is a science, how? How can we start using happiness to help us become happier? You know, when, when we're low and sometimes we're feeling down and people say, oh, just cheer up. And sometimes it's like, but how? I don't feel like it. How can I do it? Show me. Well, now science, the scientists have said, well, there is, there are ways we could do it. Does anybody remember? <laughs> the Partridge family. Yeah, so now this is Sonia Libramiski, and in her book, The How of Happiness, she shares her research. And she says that in this happiness pie, as what we call it, there is a set point. The blue part is the set point. So that pretty much means that this is our biological makeup. So if we come from a family, that's really cheerful and joyful and happy, we're off to a great start of being happier. Some people are not quite 
as happy, then they could be people who come from a lineage of really not so happy people or maybe more serious. The good news about that is they could still become happier. The way they could do that is by using the intentional activity, which is in the green part. In 40%, she says, there's 40% we could use to make us happier. And the, the red part is circumstances. So our circumstances in our life, it could be height and weight, male or female, uh, where we live, cultural. The things that we can't really change too much, maybe health. Those can also determine our level of happiness. But how we can become happier is by using the green part, which is the 40%, by using intentional activities, using different happiness skills to help us become happier. So now you've learned that it's a science. Hello. It's a science. Now I want to share with you some skills just to kind of get you started. And I like to start small. And the three that I want to share with you tonight is growth mindset. And I've discussed this in my book as well. Growth mindset and power of question and Kaizen. Growth mindset, I like to say it's our attitude. The power of question is the ask and Kaizen is our actions. And just like with any skills, we need to keep practicing and practicing and practicing these skills over and over. So I want to share with you the growth mindset. This is Carol Dweck. This is the book that she wrote called Mindset. And mindset is basically what she says is the psychology, the science of success. The way it goes is there's people out there that she says, based on her study, that have a growth mindset and there are people out there who have a fixed mindset. And I'm sure we've met, you've met people in your life who have a fixed mindset where you say, well, their attitude is like, no, I can't change. I've always been like this. It's too late for me. It's just the way I am. That's it. I don't, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Then there are the people out there who are, oh, you know what? Maybe I can do that. Or, you know, I'm curious. Maybe I can. I'd like to try. Very curious, very willing to do something outside of the box, very willing to learn new things. So those are the, basically the two different people that she's discovered. And the people with the growth mindset, she's found that they become more successful because they're willing to break their barriers of the norm or just be willing to stretch themselves in order to become better and successful people. Whereas the people with a fixed mindset, she's discovered they tend to just kind of get stuck. They just, they're afraid or just don't know. But the great news is, just like with the science of happiness, the science of, like, um, the science of success, there's also skills to help a person who has a fixed mindset move towards more of a growth mindset. So there's the growth, growth mindset and the fixed mindset. The difference, you could tell from the language they use, like, People with growth mindset, I can do this, or I'm willing to try. Whereas the people with the fixed, it's like, I can't. Nah, I'm not gonna do it. I'll just fail. So one of the best and easiest way to shift a person 
from a fixed to a growth mindset, or even if, you're, if you already have a growth mindset, and to make that muscle much stronger, is simply by just using the word yet. Y-E-T. Because this gives you wiggle room to grow. Wiggle room of possibilities. So when people, when you hear people say, oh, I can't do this, if they just add the word yet at the end, it just changes the energy of that sentence to, it's like, oh, I can't to, I can't do it yet. So in their mind, it's like, oh, okay. I can't do it right now, but there's a possibility that I can do it. So this three little, little word is so powerful, it can shift a person's mentality from fixed to growth. Any questions about that? It's really, it, I love how simple it is. And it just, you notice the difference between using a sentence or having the sentence, I can't do this and adding the word get to it. It just changes it so much more. So that is basically that aspect of the growth mindset. Is there any people in your life that you can think of right now that you think you could, might want to share yet? The word yet, too? Yes, I can think of kids, people. I use that with, with the kids, and it's not in the family. Oh, you just haven't got there yet. You'll get there. There you no. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm a nurse by trade, and, you know, helping patients when they are so discouraged with their, you know, slow healing process. You know, it's just like, okay, you're, 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 you'll get there. You know, it's like, yes, you can't walk from here to there, not yet. But every little step will get you there. So it just gives the person hope and possibility. We're going to skip this because we started late. So the next skill I want to share with you is the power of question. Questions are so powerful. They are so powerful that they actually create our reality. And I love this quote by Tony Robbins. The quality of our life, of your life, is a direct reflection of the quality of the questions you are asking yourself. Because our brain are so, so smart and so willing to get the answer for us. So whenever we're asking a question, it finds the answer for us. So when we're asking questions that say, it's like, oh, why, why am I, you know, some people would say, why am I such a loser? Or why am I so dumb? Or why can't things work out my way? Our mind will scan different areas of our life, different areas of the situation during the day to give us the answer, to validate the question we just asked. And further makes it more real for the person. But if we were to shift it to a more positive question, from asking what's wrong to what's right, then once again, our mind is so obedient, it will look for validations, more answers to support why it's right. Well, why is it such a beautiful day? Well, I noticed the lilacs blooming. Oh, it didn't rain, or I got here and the traffic was great. So it's focusing on what's right, the good, as opposed to what's wrong, is such a great it's a great shift, shifter in the way our, our mentality. And that's actually one of the questions that I asked a while back when I was a nurse. 
I asked after taking care of hundreds of patients with stress-related ailments, I would ask myself, you know, what else can I be doing for these patients? What else can I be doing? Because all I'm doing is they come, keep coming back for stress-related ailments, maybe upset stomach or perhaps bleeding from GI bleeding from taking so many Motrins because of their low back pain from being neglectful or chest pain or shortness of breath, you know, from different um, stress-related type um, um, ailment that I feel like I'm just putting a little Band-Aid on what's really going on. So the more I ask that of myself, the more the universe or the more my mind found things for me to start learning. And that's actually started me on the track of learning more complementary and alternative medicine, which is more the, the healing practice. So learning about herbs and Reiki. Has anybody heard of Reiki? Homeopathy, acupressure, massage. Um, what else? Um, intuitive work, spiritual healing, and also led me to positive psychology because I kept asking and my mind would keep finding new doors. After I finished one training certification, it would say, okay, you're asking for more. Here's the next, here's the next, here's the next. So our mind will follow what our brain is asking for, basically. And the third skill, so that's with power of the question that we covered the, our mindset, knowing if it's growth or fixed, and also the power of our question, the second skill. The third one is Kaizen. Has anybody heard of Kaizen? I, I love this skill or technique. Oh, I love the way, I love saying it. <laughs> and I love how easy it is. Basically, Kaizen is small steps towards continual improvements. And one of the authors is Robert Maurer. And this is a great book, very easy to read. And basically what Kaizen is, is doing little steps, different actions towards continual growth. Always using working smart instead of working hard. Okay, for example, it could be, um, I have three boys, and if I, you know, they have, they eat a lot of snacks. And sometimes the snacks could be a lot of sweets, cookies and candies, or a lot of salty stuff. And so I said, okay, what's the best way for me to keep them, or at least start introducing nutritious stuff? So that way it's in their line of vision. Well, what I did was I just basically bought a nice stand that has lots of beautiful, I could put a lot of, flower, uh, a lot of um, fruits and apples and oranges, making it so beautiful so that it's right there on the table for them. They don't have to go from one end of the kitchen, past the table, all the way to the, to the cabinet. I'm already in their line of vision and on their way towards their usual spot, giving them a snack access that's there and beautiful. So putting things in a way or using smart techniques to small ones to kind of help you become more successful. Can you think of, have you done something similar where 
you just did one small action and it was enough to so that people in your life were able to do what you wanted them to do basically I'm sure you do it all the time <laughs> being a teacher <laughs> so that's Kaizen in a nutshell so just doing small actions so that you are what you want to what your the, the success you're striving for happens and then making it easier for the people who you want to implement the um, the actions so what I'd like for you to do is I, I have a handout here um, and number seven is just a quick little activity where you just you know finish the sentence to be 5% happier and just kind of you know think about you know what you would do or just write down what would to be 5% happier just filling out the, the sentence there so just kind of think about it what would you to be 5% happier right now Kathy what would it what would you do or what would it look like That's great. It's good. So to be five percent happier, I'd probably be doing something that I haven't considered doing. Maybe some novelty. Nice. Very nice. And how about you, Dana? Just five percent. Again, kaizen. You know, for people who have a hard time trying to think about it's like, oh, what's really gonna make me happy? Going on a trip, but you know, that could be like very costly and. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to take time to look where you want to go, but just 5%. What would, to be 5% happier right now, what would that look like? Um, going out on more dates with my husband and not stressing about paying for a sitter. Yeah. Especially to call my mother-in-law. Yeah. Just all the complications of it, just to go out and have fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 wonderful. Yeah, to just and it's nice when you when you share it or when you write it and then you share it because it makes it more real. You know, so in in a in a full day workshop, that's what I would do for my clients. I would have them fill out the activity and then do a peer share so that they can really take the time to think and to share and get to know each other and to connect even more. But the more we say it the more we claim it so I want you to have a great time in your dinner <laughs> with your husband and you know enjoying something a new novelty for yourself and this is just another we're going to go take two actually yes that would have been our yes because we started a little bit late so we're just going to jump into the next one which is the secret so some people like I said we, I shared with you Sonia Lubomirsky's um, happiness pie and how she said there are people that the 50 percent is basically our genetic makeup you know if, if you come from a lineage of happy people then you, you are likely to be happier yes there are going to be happier people in the world that's just the way it is And they've found, they've found from studies. Has anybody heard of the Nun study? 
very fascinating. They've actually, it's a, a longitudinal study where they tracked the nuns in the past. And the people who did this research is Danner, Snowden, and Friesen. And in this particular study, they tracked the, the group of nuns who just basically started their service. And before they start their service, what they do is they are, they're asked to write write about themselves, write and just keep writing, writing, writing about themselves, what makes them happy, what they do, their hobbies, just everything about themselves. So the researchers, they, they want to study, they want to see, you know, if there's any difference in the, these group of people, what, what makes them happy, their habits, what they do, and they found a really great finding. So they, after reading everybody's autobiographies, they basically classified people. They noticed how people used more positive languages than others. So then they started grouping these people into four groups. The one, the, cheer, the, the not so cheerful one, the so so cheerful one, the cheerful one, and the extremely cheerful ones. And they found that after many years, that the extremely, extremely cheerful group of nuns are the ones who lived longer. They actually lived 10 years longer than the least cheerful nuns. And so long that some of them actually reached up to mid 90s. So this basically, this study is very important because it just shows how our outlook and cheerfulness and happiness can actually help us live a longer life. And one of the things that they looked at was just their descriptions of what they wrote. Things that made them happy. Little things in life. It could be the lilacs. It could be, you know, getting a hug from, from somebody or a beautiful sunny day. So it wasn't really big and elaborate, but it was something important enough and special enough that they shared in their autobiography. And this is what the researchers picked up on. Amazing. And this is one of the books that they wrote, Aging with Grace. There's actually another study that they did where they found with the group of nuns, not the same group, but group of nuns where they found that the, there were nuns out there who are very active and intellectually active that they, even though they had signs of Alzheimer's, when, they are, when their brains were biopsied and tested after they passed, these nuns were willing to donate their brain to science so that scientists can figure out, you know, size of the brain or different areas of the brain that's functioning more than others. So the group of nuns that they had the, the study for the Alzheimer's, they found that some of the nuns actually had full-blown Alzheimer's in their brain, but the way they acted and the way they moved around in their lives, it didn't even show that they had Alzheimer's. Amazing. 
All right, so I'm going to share with you one of my favorite quotes by Steve Jobs is connecting the dots. In order to connect the dots looking forward, you have to go backwards. And because somehow, because you have to, it's so that you have to, well, let me read the whole thing. You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust the dots will somehow connect in your future. And that's actually, this is a quote that I love because it's actually the, the way I was able to basically reflect on what I've done in my life in order for me to just kind of figure out, you know, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy. And so I'm a mother, I'm a nurse by day, I have my own company. Um, I have three boys, I'm a daughter of aging parents, I have a mother who is a three-time cancer survivor, my dad who does cardiac issues, but I feel so happy and blessed. And just kind of reflecting on my journey, thinking about being my own positive psychology scientist for myself, just really figuring out you know, what I've done in my life that's helped me become more Mean, have my life become more meaningful and feel so fulfilled. And that's how actually in, in that journey, it helped me to write this book. So the happiness result is basically me just going back into my life and just again being my own positive psychologist and just really thinking about what skills I use to help me live a more meaningful life. And also, asking questions, I noticed that back, even back then, I was asking a lot of growth mindset-like questions, like what else can I do? How else can I help people in this world outside of the hospital? How else can I help be of service for people in the community? And every time I would ask, like I said, it would just lead me to another avenue, another way for me to learn more about holistic health and eventually happiness as part of that holistic health. And I discovered that health is really nothing without happiness. And that's why it's been one of my mission to be able to really just share with people how we could implement, add more happiness into our lives and really seriously do it. You know, just really be purposeful in taking happiness like uh, happiness interventions, like really evalu evaluating, getting to know who we are, our tendencies, our mindset, or asking the right questions, or you know, so, or being adding more gratitude in our lives, or becoming more optimistic. So that journey actually led me to be to write my book, and it just as I reflected, I noticed that there are different things that I did in order to become more of a confident person because I used to be a very shy, insecure person. And I just, you know, in order for me as an adult to be able to start becoming more confident, there were things that I did. And one of them was actually being able to just kind of get out there and start talking in front of people even though I was nervous. So I joined Toastmasters and I'm now a professional speaker. So just really cultivating that muscle of just really getting out there and just following my passion. So this book is a self-help book. It combines self-help, science of happiness, and also the power of intuition. I'm very big in following our inner guidance system, our inner GPS, because so many times 
when I found, when I don't follow my inner GPS, it leads me into big time trouble or mistakes that I could have avoided. So, and I found also when I started listening to my intuition, my inner GPS more and more, that actually it would lead me to places or to people that would actually help me in my life. Does anybody trust her? You use your intuition a lot? That's what, that piece was why I came here. Ah, great. <laughs> Very good. And you, Dana? Yeah, yeah. It's, the intuition part is our innate survival system, I believe. It, it, is, it has a, a way of knowing, pre, not predicting, knowing what's going to happen a few seconds before it happens. It's just an access to something bigger and better. And it's something that I believe people need to also embrace besides the happiness skills. And that's actually what's worked for me. When I follow my intuition, I am, I'm led. It's heart led. And it's taking steps in faith. And one of the, one of the um, ways I was able to really use my intuition and also follow the guidance that was given to me was um, over a couple of decades ago when I would have my ask. It's like, what else can I do? I've taken all these classes. What else can I do? One morning, the answer came. Start doing stress management workshop. And that was just a clear, it was a loud and clear voice. It wasn't my husband's voice. It wasn't my voice. I woke up to that sound, do a stress management workshop. And just kept saying it and saying it until first when I first heard it, I said, oh, it's just a dream because I can't do that. I'm shy. I don't know how to do it. I'm a nurse. I'm happy at work. And no, I, I've, I've never done that. I wouldn't even know what to talk about. Who am I going to talk to? And, you know, where am I going to go? The next morning, do stress management workshop. Again, I was awoken by that voice. Like, it's like eventually after a few days, like, no. I can't do it or you know I try to change my position thinking that you know it would change the channel in my dream right so eventually it went from no I can't to it's like oh well maybe I can but how so it's then I was changing from it's like a no to it's like oh to how and with the questions I would ask the voice it's like how well, then the voice told me, oh, check the church. You know, back then, I go to um, Sacred Heart in Quincy. That's my parish. And back then, they were opening up um, new ministries, and they wanted a nurse to start taking people's blood pressure just to kind of help get more people in the parish. So I forgot about that. So the voice said, oh, check with Father O'Brien. Mm, all right. And I did after a few days, and he said, yes. It's like, oh, he said, yes, now what? <laughs> How am I, what am I gonna talk about? And so it's like, talk about something you already know and talk about something fun. And so that's what I did. It's like, I looked in, in, in the computer and on the internet and looked for different ways to, uh, or different techniques, and I looked for that. 
and got what I thought was a good you know, workshop for stress management. It's like, but who's going to attend? Well, the parishioners. You could, they'll attend to your workshop, and then you can take their blood pressure afterwards. Like, oh, yes, that's brilliant. So that's basically how my question that I've been asking, what else can I do? How can I be of service? What else can I do for these people to help them in the community? Eventually, that question was answered. And so led me to doing stress management, work, stress management workshop and now eventually doing more workshops for people in church, in school, cancer survivor group, hospitals, corporations. It's just when you follow your, that inner voice, the guidance, even if you don't know where it's going to lead you, when you follow it, it just takes you into places beyond your wildest dreams. So this book, this is the map basically of me trying to retrace my steps. <laughs> right here is basically me doing all the asking and following my intuition and also my heart's desire. So it's all the combination of me asking, me following my intuition, me knowing what I'm passionate about, and eventually led me to this beautiful acronym of awesome, which A stands for authenticity, being okay with myself, being okay to be seen, being okay to be heard, just being myself. And W is wonderment adding more wonderment into my day. Because there were times when I felt like, oh gosh, I just feel so uh, and so blah, I'm just, everything's the same. I started introducing more wonderment into my life. And that's when gratitude and using the word awe, being in awe with what's around me, really started helping me feel better. And empowerment, it's really looking to the people Knowing that I want to do something bigger and better, who are the people I could model after? So finding my own heroes and realizing that I, in the process, I'm becoming my own hero as well. And S is for self-compassion. Self-compassion is being able to just being okay with yourself, giving myself permission to be human, taking care of myself, giving myself self-care. Because I've been, I'm a mom, I'm a nurse, I'm an entrepreneur, taking care of my parents. I was wearing myself down. So being okay with taking care of myself was actually, is a learning, it's a big learning process, especially for women. Because we're so big into taking care of others. And sometimes that guilt of like, oh, you know, I, I shouldn't be doing this right now. Or I shouldn't be eating this. Or I shouldn't be, we do that. I shouldn't. So that self-compassion is very healing and also rightfully ours. Optimistic, being optimistic is very important. So be, there, are days, there are days when I feel like, oh, nothing's going to work out well. It's just not going to happen. Using optimism as a way to kind of move towards or move up from the stuck position to it's like, oh, okay, maybe there is hope. Thinking about what happened in the past, knowing what I've done in the past that's worked, and using what's worked to help me reach my goal. And mindfulness. I'm very big in mindfulness, using mindfulness, being present in the moment. 
because we're so conditioned to think about what happened in the past, our mistakes, focusing on the negative, or thinking about the future, trying to plan, trying to negotiate, trying to do all these different things that we're not really fully in the present. Mindfulness is very important, and I end it with the letter E, which is enjoyment. Enjoyment, oops, it should be enjoyment. Enjoyment is actually very important because play is very, very important to people, especially when we are stressed. When we're stuck and we feel like there's no, we're trying to get something done and they're just, there's, there's no insight, there's no genius that is happening. So when we, in, when we add more play or enjoyment in our day, what happens is we allow ourselves to just kind of uh, take a break and to relax. And when we have fun and play a little bit, that's when the creativity happens. There was a great um, study by um, Brown, last name is Brown, and he basically found that when people, and even in corporations, when they add more activities that's just very mindless. I know I was, I was just talking about mindfulness, but when he would introduce activities that were fun and mindless to a group of people who are just um, very serious or trying to really get things done, when he would introduce a sense of play to that group, they found that they were able to become more relaxed, they're able to engage more, and they're able to become more productive and actually get the creativity that they want to do or to have in order to create or finish the project. So having fun is so important. And you know, it's just, just like happiness, people take it for granted or fun. When people are having fun, sometimes people feel at work, it's like, oh, they're not working. They're having fun. They should be working. <laughs> But that's so important to add more fun in our day because that helps us relax, feel good, and also it helps with our productivity. So again, this is the acronym. Authenticity, just being yourself. Wonderment, being in awe. Empowerment, being your own hero or finding people to model after. Self-compassion, being kind to yourself. Optimism, just believing, having faith. Mindfulness, being present. And enjoyment, being playful. Can you think of one of this aspect that you might want to kind of play with in your life right now? I can share with you my mantra this year is self-compassion. That's, that's for me this year. And it's been, uh, it's been a great mantra for me because it's just, uh, it's been a, for the last few years, just I've driven myself really hard, writing my books and just promoting my business, working still part-time as a nurse, taking care of my parents, um, being a mom, trying to relax, all these different things, it's always just a go, 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 go. So 2017, I've decided to just kind of 
ease up and just kind of whatever happens happens I'll still do what I need to do but I don't have to work as hard I'm going to add more self-compassion to myself I don't have to feel like I have to juggle a dozen balls just maybe two or three or four enough to kind of make me feel like I'm I'm doing something but one of those balls is me taking care of myself having fun How about you? I look at that list and I, I think that there are, are times when all of them. Yeah. 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 In in my book, I basically instruct the reader to pick it up flip through it and if there's an area that seems to catch their eye start there you don't have to start from the beginning you don't have to finish it all the way in the end you can if you want but there's so much here for people to pick and choose from I mean I you could for me for a while it was authenticity and that was my whole mission I'm going to be seen, I'm going to be heard, I'm going to join Toastmasters, I'm going to speak, I'm going to do all these different speeches. That was my journey. Every once in a while though, I feel like a little bit, I need a little boost of authenticity, I need to do it a little bit more. So this book, it, it allows the person to do a practice for 30 days or if you want, maybe one day in that 30 days, you might say, oh, I want to introduce more mindfulness also because I've been kind of scatterbrained. I keep forgetting things. I have my glasses here. I'm still looking for it. I just, you know, I'm just so scatterbrained. I need to practice more mindfulness. You could also introduce a little bit, another practice into your 30-day practice. Or you can just kind of change it every day. The whole idea is just to kaizen, do something small. Just pick one and just have fun with it. And just notice the change in yourself, your level of happiness. Notice I, the subtitle is more time, more health, more love, more success. Notice if it's giving you more time when you implement any of these techniques. Notice if it's giving you more health, mind, body, health. Notice how it's helping you become more close to the people you love or even more tolerant of others or success. Notice how it's making you become more productive and really just become more engaged and have more meaning in your life. Just noticing all these different things. Because when you notice that and you feel good about it, then it just kind of further feeds and fuels the practice of doing it more and more. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I invite you to just, to just maybe Think about the awesome acronym and think about really which one you might want to implement or play with. 
and see how, how much of a change or how far you're able to continue that practice. And the, one of the best ways to do it is when you do something, like do a practice, explain, teach somebody that practice. Because the more you teach other people, the more you own it, and the more the people around you actually becomes more of a mirror of what you're trying to do. And you're actually creating a better environment for yourself as well. And it's a good way to pay it forward for other people. So I just want to re recap what I shared. I shared a lot. <laughs> Happiness is more than a feeling. <laughs> it's a science, a skill, and a secret to a meaningful, long-lasting life. And just some of the skills I sh shared with you, the growth mindset, having a fixed and growth mindset. Questions we ask. Just really just thinking about the questions we ask and how it can create and even define our reality. And Kaizen, taking small actions that can kind of go towards continual success. Just really small actions. Doesn't have to be big because sometimes the big actions can become overwhelming and daunting. So just chunking it down, an activity, chunking it down so that way it's like, oh, I can do this. You know, an example is I wanted to start doing more yoga last year. So what I did was in order for me to remember the night before I would put my yoga pants and shirt right next to my bed. So when I would get up, it's like, Oh, I'm doing yoga this morning. That was Kaizen. It was a no brainer. It was right there. I set myself up for success the night before. That was easy. And so I've been doing yoga now for almost a year because of that practice. I, do, I love it now. I love it and I look forward to it. Um, and once again, this, my secret, the awesome path to, to help you lead a more meaningful and happy life to gain more time, more health, more love and more success. And I want to end it with this because I say that happiness is more than a feeling. Let's see if I can minimize it. Oh. Let me go back. Let me see if I can do this. Anybody know the song?
Does anybody have any questions? Let me just turn it down. And the song was more than the feeling. <laughs> Do you have any questions? What do you think about happiness now as a, as a science or a skill or a secret to a happy and meaningful life? Does it make you, does, does this presentation make you think about happiness as more than just a, <laughs> or it's like, oh, that, that was nice. So it kind of goes a lot. Um, my daughter, she works at MIT, and they actually had given her the book by Seligman. And she says, Mom, she says, I'm not going to have time to read it. She says, here, um, which is how I ended up with the book. Great. Um, and I've read parts of it. I haven't finished it all because I nonfiction. Um, I like nonfiction, but I enjoy a good story. Yeah. That piece, but he has a lot of um, that part in the book. He's talked about some of the things that you talked about there, um, and some of the other researchers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the whole concept of the spirituality too is a lot of the things that I think it completes the package, yeah. and that's why I wanted to really add that in my book because it's just uh, it's it's not talked about so much when we with science at least. You know, there's a lot more studies now that's showing that intuition is very real and is very important. And even people, you know, there's some companies like really high level uh, management people are, when they're asked, okay, how did you make that decision? How did you know? Not even knowing all the data or not even wanting to know all the data. Like, oh, I followed my gut. A lot of people when they follow their gut, they make the right answer. Was the whole idea of energy theory a thing? thing you know, like everything is energy. Everything's energy. In the sense that it's all connected. Yes, but we forget that because we're human, and we're so loaded with stress sometimes that that's all we just see is just the the stress or just like what we have to do or the drudgery. So when we kind of take a step back and just look at the whole picture. You know, it's like, oh, there's something else that can help me here. My body is designed in the most sophisticated way to help me feel better, to help me survive. One of them is breathing. One of them is healing. One of them is laughing. I do laughter yoga. So I love doing laughter yoga because it helps people feel better right away. It helps people relax. It helps people, it helps people connect. It's a, like, a nice, Play date, I call it. So happiness is also another one of those things that can help us heal. So the more we know about all these different aspects that our body is capable of or just does naturally, the more we know, remember, and use it purposely, the better we can be in whatever it is that we're trying to do in life. The longer we could live, the more meaning we could have in our lives the more we can become the change we want to see in the world. And it's never too late. It's a skill. We just have to keep adding more of those little interventions in our lives and just keep practicing and using it as a muscle. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you, Dana. Thank you. Thank you.